The DSO Connect 2021 retreat is right around the corner and registration is now open. We are heading to Cape Coral, Florida, July 23rd through 25th, and we also have a virtual only option. Spend a weekend with other like-minded, creative, goal-oriented studio owners. The weekend includes two days chocked full of amazing seminars by the DSO Connect team, including yours truly, and one day of implementation sessions where we sit down together and get stuff done. So by the time you leave, you've already got things checked off your list. You'll leave feeling rejuvenated and have an actionable plan to build your studio into a thriving business so you can live your best life. This is an intimate weekend where we all stay in the same fabulous waterfront estate together, so space is extremely limited. Included in your stay is all the amazing content, the implementation day, swag bag, seminar workbook, food and drink for the weekend, including adult beverages, your lodging at the estate, and the priceless connections that you'll make with all the other studio owners. Plus, you'll get a one-on-one follow-up coaching call with one of the DSO Connect team after the retreat to help you stay on track. For more information and to reserve your spot, head on over to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the Retreat 2021 tab. Don't wait too long because space is seriously limited and these spots will go fast. So again, dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the Retreat 2021 tab. We can't wait to spend the weekend with you. And welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Robin, and today I am flying solo. Casey is taking a little break, and she will be back soon. So I don't know about you guys, but this is a super busy time at my studio because recital is around the corner. We're also finalizing summer schedules, starting to work on fall schedules, lots of marketing, um, program booklet, ad sales, costumes. Um, we've got a p- community performance coming up at a food truck fest. So we've got that kind of lingering. We've got music recital. We've got spring fling for our gymnasts. We just have so many things going on. And to add to the mix, we also threw in there our dance company auditions, which we do every year in May. And I think even though it's crazy town around here, I think that May for us is a great time to do company auditions. So I think that um, I would love to talk to you guys about auditions and how we handle them at our studio. Um, We just did ours last week and it was a fantastic experience. We've got it down to a science. So even though there was a little bit of prep work involved, um, it, it pretty much ran on autopilot. So I wouldn't say that it was super disruptive of all the other things that we had going on. Um, But I wanted to kind of go through some of the things that we've done that have been successful and maybe some of these ideas would ring true for you and your studio philosophy and maybe you could consider implementing some of them into your systems. So first of all, let me say that we do not have dance competition teams. We have dance companies. These auditions could the, the tips that I'm going to give today or, or the things that we do, uh, 
the things that I'm sharing about our auditions could probably be applied to dance competition teams auditions as well. But honestly, I don't know because I don't really know anything about dance competition teams. So here we go. I would say the most important reason that we hold auditions for our dance companies is because we want our students to learn how to audition. Auditioning is a skill that needs to be practiced in order to be perfected. Um, if our students intend to go on to dance professionally or work in the arts in general, they're going to be asked to audition on the regular. And the as we all know, the more we audition, the better we get at it and the better results we're going to get. So we require our students to re-audition every year um, so that they can practice this audition skill and also so that they kind of stay on their toes and they don't get complacent with their position in the company. We don't want them to stop working hard because they feel like they're already in and, and they can kind of coast on that. So even if our students aren't going to go on to pursue a career in the arts, I think it's important that we help them to learn how to um, work through nerves, to put them in situations that will help them learn how to um, do their best, even under pressure. Um, they'll need to do that when they take tests. They'll need to do that when they interview for a job. They'll need to do that even in performing situations, whether it be reading an oral report or, um, you know, dancing on stage. We need to allow our students to practice how it feels to do their best under pressure. So that's kind of the whole premise of the auditions for us. I like to do our auditions in May because we tie summer requirements to our dance company dancers. And by getting the auditions out of the way in May, we can kind of, you know, get everybody's summer registration squared away. And we also know, you know, who we are going to have in the summer, um, who are we going to have next year. Our season kind of runs from June of one year, like the week after the recital until the week of the recital the next week. So we start our season um, officially for the dance company kids right after the recital. So timing wise, that really works for us. So I know some people prefer to get your recital out of the way. Certainly, you know, you can use your judgment on that. Um, but for us, this has been helpful. What we do is in April, we start sending out the letters to the invitations to audition. We only invite students that we're going to accept. And the reason we do that is because with most of our dance companies, we're really not looking to reject people and have that whole um, conversation with parents about why your child didn't get accepted. We really want, um, we want everyone to go through the process, learn about auditioning, be accepted, feel that, that sense of accomplishment. We kind of keep it on the down low. Like everybody doesn't know that you're going to get automatically accepted, but the big test is placement, which company you're going to be in. Um, so 
ahead of time, ahead of going into the auditions, we have what we call a wish list, which is basically a chart of all of our current dancers who are in company the current year. And then we add in a few new ones that we're inviting. And we, um, we have them all categorized according to how we would ideally like them to be. Usually there aren't many surprises at the audition because we're basically, we're really basing their company placement on the work that they do in class. Um, you know, sometimes kids will show up the day of the audition and have a rock star audition, but we know that they just kind of turn it on for showtime and their regular work ethic might be lacking. So obviously we're not going to be fooled by that. Um, so we have a pretty good idea going into the audition um, about who's going to be where. So what we do is um, we send out the invitations to audition in April and um, they have to uh, uh, RSVP for the audition so we know who's coming and then they fill out an application and they're asked to bring a resume and a headshot and I tell parents that this exercise is really about getting um, the dancer and the parent in practice in uh, giving them a chance to practice what that means you know putting them in a situation where okay it's time to start my kid's resume so you're going to We'll give them a sample resume that they can use as a template. Um, we want to teach them how to drop names every time that there is a masterclass, make sure those names are included on the, on the resume, include all you know little school theatrical roles or community theatrical roles, dance roles, and then, of course, shed off the little teeny things as bigger things, you know, are, are become you know, available. So this is really an exercise for the parent and the kid to just get used to the idea of writing a resume. Um, also the headshot, we don't require them to have a professional headshot. We just do, um, you know, like a snapshot printed out at Walmart of their head. And then we also do a, um, an, a first arabesque pose as well. And honestly, this is, again, it's kind of a formality. It's just to kind of teach them what to expect in an audition. So the day of the audition, we usually do it on a Sunday. And um, when the dancers come in, we do not address them by name. We um, have a table set up in the lobby. When the children come in, we take their paperwork, give them a number, have them sign in on the sign-in sheet, and then send them to a warm-up studio. And we purposely do not act super warm and friendly to them, and we don't address them by their names. We address them by their number. Uh, the reason we do that is really because we want to, again, teach them what it's going to be like when they go to a real audition. So once everybody arrives and we have them self-warming up in the studio, I do let them know that we're watching them even in their warm-up and that they need to be warming up, stretching, not on their phones, not running around, that the um, audition auditioners are watching them all the time. So if we see them behaving like hoodlums in the warm-up studio, that will be noted. So from there, we'll take the dancers into three separate rooms. We divide them into three separate groups. And the way we do it is they spend 30 minutes um, learning a combination in jazz, tap, or modern in a different studio. And then every 30 minutes, they rotate. So 
um, by the end of an hour and a half, everyone knows three combinations. At that point, and, and during that time, um, some of the panelists will walk around with clipboards into each room and sit. We might whisper a little bit. We might make notes. And it's, again, it's kind of a formality, but we, again, we want the students to, to feel like they're being scrutinized a little bit. At the end of the 90 minutes, we will take them up to the big studio uh, where there's a table at the front and the, the panel. We usually also invite our seniors to participate in this day. So, you know, obviously they're not auditioning for company for next year, but we like to give them the opportunity to be a part of it. So they usually help either um, at the audition table or they run music or if they have uh, teaching skills, we might also invite them to be one of the um, choreographers that is teaching the 30 minute combo in each of the rooms. At that point, everybody, and then we also have some bigger, um, our core teachers are usually there as well. Uh, so we have a nice panel of maybe, you know, six to 10 people. Um, the dancers come in, they're all nervous as they should be. They have numbers on. Um, and then we ask each group to show their combination one group at a time. The others can kind of, they kind of sit around the side of the room and, um, we might ask them to, uh, do it in two groups, or we might ask them to just, you know, I just need to see number 15 and number 17, do it together, please. And, you know, they don't understand what the rhyme or reason is for us pulling people out and pairing them up a certain way. But again, we want to give them this experience. Um, and we are also teaching them along the way, you know, don't try to figure it out. Don't try to figure out in your head, you know, oh my gosh, this must mean this. If I was grouped with her, this must mean this. This must mean that. That must mean she got in and I didn't get in. We wanted to um, help them understand that sometimes um, we're looking at you with another girl because you're the same size or we're looking at you by yourself and asking you to just stand there because we want to know if you fit into a costume. So these are all little lessons that we kind of teach along the way. And we, I will actually say them, say these things to the dancers. Um, so we go through and each group gets to do their thing. Um, one at a time, you know, one group at a time, we watch it a couple times. There's usually applause from the other dancers, which is nice. It, it, make, it feels good. And um, then at the end, we dismiss the dancers. I'll usually give them a little closing speech and talk to them about how they all did a great job and, you know, they should be proud of themselves and, and this, that, and the other. Once we dismiss the main group, we then um, maybe take a five-minute little powwow, talk about anything that was surprising, that caught us off guard, maybe, maybe somebody, you know, did something unexpected that really pleased us or something like that. And then we have the dancers, the older dancers come in one at a time for solos. Um, solos are for our top company, um, which we call company elite. And so we're inviting the dancers to come in one at a time to audition a solo that they created, um, usually in a contemporary style, but sometimes we get other styles as well. Um, and this is a great, okay, so this part of the audition is not a guaranteed placement. So 
some of the dancers will hear no, you will not be accepted into Company Elite, but we do have an, uh, a, a role for you or a spot for you in the, the main ensemble. And I think that at this point, once the kids are you know, high school age, it's important that they do understand how to deal with rejection. So in lots of cases, the girls who audition with their solos are not gonna get a, a place in Company Elite and that's okay. Um, the parents know upfront that this is an open audition. And if they, they don't, if they don't think that they're capable of accepting a rejection, then they need not apply. Um, we'll often encourage middle schoolers to start auditioning for company elite, knowing that they're not ready just so that they can get that practice in and so that they can hear no and realize that it's okay. I just wasn't ready. And, you know, I'm going to get back to work. I'm going to, I'm going to try again next year and I'm going to keep working. So this is my favorite part of the audition because when we, after we watch their solos, we usually spend a couple minutes just talking with them. And it's a really good chance to check in, see where everybody's head is at. And usually there's tears, usually happy tears, sometimes like overwhelming tears, but Usually there's a lot of talk from the panel, like, we're so proud of you. You've come so far since last year. Um, you know, this is a chance for us to talk about injuries that they may be experiencing or, um, you know, talk about their, their, their plans for dancing after high school. So it's really just a nice emotional time for us to touch base one-on-one -on -one with the dancers. And um, what I did learn, which was... Uh, I learned it the hard way. Uh, when this first started happening, the kids would get picked up right after their solos. They'd get in the car crying and their parents didn't understand why they were crying. And I had to let the parents know, in most cases, these are happy tears. We were having a heart-to-heart -heart talk with your daughter. We were uplifting her. It's all good. Don't worry if your daughter comes out of the audition crying. It's completely okay. So um, once we get through all of the solos, then we usually, you know, the kids leave and we usually have um, a little bit of time to just discuss and finalize our placement. Um, the next day we will send out um, our acceptance letters with our, or rejection letters if for Company Elite along with each dancer's company placement. And along with that, I also send the letter talking about the rungs of the ladder and how it's never appropriate for a parent or a dancer to challenge the results of a placement decision or a, um, an audition. So it's really important that you kind of set this precedent ahead of time. And we send this letter out multiple times a year just to constantly remind people. And basically what the letter says is, in each class or in each group, there's three rungs of the ladder. And the bottom rung is basically where the kid is new to the material, new to the, the environment, and everything seems challenging. And adrenaline is pumping. And the kids usually get in, their, in the car on the way home from the studio and they're saying, oh my God, I'm so challenged. This class is so hard. I'm learning so much. And um, so the parents are usually very satisfied their child is learning and being challenged. Then we move to the second rung, which is a normal progression. And the child is starting to, 
you know, adapt to the material, get a little bit more comfortable. This is where the real work needs to be happening. And we have to make sure the kid doesn't get too comfortable. And then the top rung of the ladder, which is where the child is mastering the finer details, um, is a leader in the classroom, is asked to be a demonstrator, is front and center, leads going across the floor, all of that. And what I try to impress upon parents is that we can't take a child from the middle rung of one group and put them in the bottom rung of the next group. They have to rise to the top and spend some time at the top so that they can learn how to be a good leader, so they can have the time to really master the skills, have their body really you know, get used to the movements and, and get that muscle memory going, gain the strength, and, um, and also you know, be a role model for their other kids. And a lot of parents want their kid to skip that top rung because in their minds, they want their kid to be um, constantly challenged. And, and they are challenged at the top rung. Parents don't always understand the mechanisms of, of a dance class. So anyway, we send out all this information, usually the following day by email, and um, we ask the parents to return the contract. Um, the contract has a, a clause in it that, well, one of the things that um, we include in our contract is a code of ethics. So for us, we want to make sure that our students are not, um, um, I don't know, misrepresenting themselves or our company in the community. So we want to make sure that they're good citizens. We want to, for us, we don't want visible tattoos. We don't want facial piercings other than ears. Of course, this is discretionary depending on your particular tastes and, and, and the, the community that you're in. Um, but we outline all of these things and our parents really appreciate that because uh, it helps them at times when they can kind of throw us under the bus, so to speak, and say, well, you know, you can't do that because it's against your company contract. It's not me. Um, so, you know, we do kind of install all our company ethics. We do kind of incorporate all that. Um, other things that we might put in the company contract are any uh, stipulations about taking class at other studios. We require that any classes that they take outside of our studio be approved in advance. And it's not because we wanna be control freaks, it's really because we wanna make sure that the training that they're getting outside of EMC is consistent with um, the technique that we're teaching. And um, we just, especially if you've got another studio nearby that's maybe, you know, considered your comp competitor. You might not want your students taking master classes over there. Some studio owners are unethical in the sense that they may be trying to poach your students. Um, so you can put those kinds of things in your company contract. You really need to think that through ahead of time. You might also have a clause in there that says, if a dancer wants to perform any of your choreography in say their school talent show or in another venue that they need to get permission from the dance company and from the choreographer, they can't just take you know, a piece of choreography that you created and do it at the school talent show without you knowing about it. Um, 
there was something else. Oh, additionally, we put in our contract that if they are in the school play or if, if they're in any community theater production or anything that they have a bio written in a program booklet, we ask, well, we require them to mention EMS, our studio by name, um, not just Susie has danced since the age of three. No, Susie has danced since the age of three at EMC Performing Arts Studio. And you can also stipulate that you want it exactly EMC Performing Arts Studio, not EMC, um, or however you want your name to be represented in the, in the community. Um, so, oh, the most important clause is I, you want the parents to sign off on the fact that they will be auto-enrolled for their summer requirements and auto-enrolled for their fall requirements. So if you require the students to take a certain number of classes in the summer or fall, you can have, as soon as that contract comes back, that is basically a registration uh, form that is authorized, that authorizes your office manager to go ahead and get everybody registered charge their auto pay, whatever you want to stipulate. Make sure it's spelled out very, very clearly. Um, and then you also want to give as many dates or specifics as possible about their commitments for the following year. Um, every once in a while, I will get an email um, from a parent wanting to talk after the audition because they were surprised or disappointed in their child's pl company placement. And while I try very hard to be diplomatic, um, I really don't like to talk to parents about placement after results have come out. And what I say to them is the time to have had this conversation was prior to the audition. Um, you know, I do goals meetings from January through April, and that's the time for you to sit down with me privately. We can talk for 30 minutes with or without your child, and we can talk about what they need to be doing, what their goals are, how they're doing. We have evaluation forms that they get throughout the year. So for the parent that waits until the placement has come out to start being concerned about it is kind of a cop out and we try to avoid that. But again, preparation, put the, make sure that parents understand that ahead of time and you will avoid um, those awkward, difficult um, conversations. And I would say my biggest piece of advice on that is you have to be consistent and you have to hold true to your placement decisions. Um, I have, I would say that in most cases when students leave my studio, it's because they don't like their placement and it would be super easy for me or you as a director to just acquiesce and allow the parent to kind of bully you and, you know, strong arm you into the placement that they think is appropriate for their kid. As soon as you do that, you're losing all credibility and uh, you're, it'll, it'll just snowball. It will erode. Um, you will not be able to um, be considered unbiased and legitimate in your placement decisions if you allow a parent to strong arm you. So you have to be prepared to lose a person who doesn't necessarily appreciate their placement. But if, you, if you're not prepared to lose them, then don't place them in, the, in that place. Make sure that everything is gone over with a fine tooth comb and you're absolutely confident with your placement. And once it's issued, it's got to be final. Um, 
So yeah, that's pretty much how we do it. I feel like our audition process is pretty systematized, pretty solid. Everybody kind of knows the routine. So it runs uh, without a lot of effort now that we've been doing it for so long. And um, I think the parents really take it seriously and they respect the process. Having auditions also makes your dance company appear more like an exclusive club. You know, they, they had to work to get in. They had to um, really put their best foot forward. They, they earned their way in. And I think that's really important. And I think that overall, through the course of the year, you're going to have people respecting their position in the company a lot more if they've had to kind of jump through some hoops to get there. So... That's pretty much how we do it. I would love to know how you guys do it. I know that every studio is different. Some, some studio owners wait until the summer to do company auditions. Some people even wait until the fall, um, which I think is really interesting. I'd love to know the pros and cons of that. Um, for us, I, again, really like having their company uh, summer requirements in place, uh, you know, and that is only possible if you do your auditions at the top of the summer or at the end of the spring. But hey, if you guys have any ideas uh, that are different from mine, or if you have any suggestions that our listeners or our community members might be interested in hearing about how you run your company auditions or your dance team auditions, I would love to hear them. Uh, we meet for a coffee chat once a month. And I think this would be a cool topic to maybe discuss so we can all throw ideas around and see how um, other studios are doing it. It's not too late for you to do your company auditions late spring. So if you like that idea, then um, I think that if you hurry up, you could probably pull it off. So that's all I have for today. Um, I am gonna go and get my eyelashes done. So I'm going to say goodbye to you guys. It's really awkward doing a podcast all alone without Casey to banter back and forth with. So if I seemed awkward, I apologize. Um, I did stop and start this darn thing about six times and um, took me a while to get rolling. So hopefully I was coherent and hopefully you got something out of this podcast. I look forward to having Casey back so that we can banter and um, look each other in the eye on Zoom while we're talking. So um, take care, guys. See you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>